Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. This podcast episode is sponsored by Tian Chu of Warp and Weave. Color and weaving can be frustrating, and sometimes a beautiful palette of yarns will weave into a gorgeous project, and sometimes they'll weave into mud, the exact same colors. I imagine you've had this experience. As a result, you may have had color disasters, and to avoid these disasters, you may have limited yourself to boring colors or project recipes. And maybe it's time to break out, to master color so you can design gorgeous cloth in the colors you really love. At Warp and Weave, learn about color from master weaver Tian Chu, featured on Weave podcast number three. Tian's episode, All About Weaving with Color, is one of our most popular downloaded episodes, and I've heard from so many of you about how Tian has helped you become more confident with color. So I'm thrilled to wholeheartedly recommend that you go to warpandweave.com podcast to sign up for Tian's free online mini course about color in weaving. You'll also find out more about Tian's in-depth online courses about color in weaving there. Let go of your color frustrations. Learn how color works at warpandweave.com slash podcast so you can confidently design gorgeous cloth in the hues you love. Hi, everyone. Today, I am really excited to be talking to Cindy Huang Boxer, weaver and macrame artist and founder of Nairoma Studio. In 2015, Cindy was frustrated by limited macrame rope options available in the U.S., and she began working with manufacturers to create cotton macrame string and rope to use in her own work, and also to share with other macrame artists and weavers. She is also the founder of the new Fiber Artist podcast, which I am sure Weave Podcast listeners will love exploring. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Cindy. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way to fiber arts? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm Cindy Boxer of Neuroma Studio, and um, I consider myself mostly a macrame artist now, but um, I found my way to fiber arts. I guess we'll go kind of far back. Mm -hmm. I was working um, as a publicist and in advertising for about 15 years out of grad school. And, um, you know, I was doing that for such a long time. And it was in, it was in, um, in the arts. I was doing, um, I was a publicist for museums and cultural institutions. So in some ways it was a little bit related, but, um, you know, it was by all, by all outside means like it looked like a really fun, glamorous job. Um, but really what it was doing to me was, uh, you know, I, I was realizing that it was, um, not as rewarding and not even as, um, not as rewarding. And I never felt comfortable doing it. I really felt like a, a bit of a fraud. So, you know, you'd think after 15 years of doing something, you feel like a professional, but I just was, I felt like I was not in the right place. So what happened was one of my clients was in Marfa, Texas, which is, um, uh, now a contemporary art hub. And so my whole reason for going down there was just to get acquainted with Marfa. Um, and I ended up being able to spend that whole weekend just taking pictures and with the beautiful big Texas sky. It's in West Texas. Um, and I had never been to that part of the country before. And I, 
in order to get there from New York, I had to travel, you take two fl- two flights and then drive three and a half hours. And it was the first time that I had been alone for this long of a time. You know, I had young kids, my kids were like two and three or something, and I hadn't traveled without my husband. And it was just this time of like real reflection and peace and just, and almost, it was like meditative just being there. So um, when I got back on the f- when I got on the flight to come home, I could not kick this feeling. I was like, I need to start making stuff. And um, there was just something about being there that just, it like, it, it sparked something in me. So uh, when I got home, I looked up, I looked on YouTube and uh, found a weaving tutorial. And the thing is, like, I, it, it seems like some weird kind of out of the, out of the blue thing to think I wanted to do weaving, but I, ha- I had seen a couple of months prior on a, like I think an interior design blog that weaving and tapestries were coming back into fashion. And um, my mom used to weave in the seventies. This is before she had me. So she did macrame and she weaved. Um, and there were little remnants of her work kind of sprinkled throughout the house. And I had this little macrame purse that she had made. And, um, but by the time she had me, she, it, it was done. Like there was one half finished loom piece in the corner for like years. And, um, but you know, I knew this thing existed. So for some reason it popped into my head and I was like, oh, that's cool. I guess I can try that. And after I made my first piece, it was like on a picture frame, you know, with just like the warp around the frame. Um, I was totally hooked because I hadn't, it had been so long since I'd actually made something. And, um, and yeah, I just got obsessed from that point. So I guess the rest is history. (laughs) That's such a powerful story. Thank you for sharing. What was it about, you know, of all of the things that you could have picked up, what was it about weaving initially and working with the yarn that really kept you coming back? I think it was um, that on some level it was practical because it didn't cause a huge mess. Like I you know, when I was little, I, I, have to t- I have to tell you, so I did grow up kind of crafty and I took drawing and painting classes and um, I did pottery because my mom did all those things. So just as a hobby. Um, so I kind of, um, because I had kids, I didn't want to like get things messy. And I just really thought like I was really into interiors at the, at the time, which is why I was like, you know, browsing interior design blogs. So um, I think I was just like, oh, this is going to be something I can do. I can just get yarn. I can, you can DIY this thing. And I loved that you could, that just like the, that it was, it's so limitless with the color choices and things. And um, so, yeah, I think there was something about the, the, texture and just working with my hands in that way, in that particular way, that really just awoke something in me. And I mean, yes, people say do it for the process and enjoy the process. And I do enjoy the process, but it was the result. And I think that is what really grabbed me because I had something tangible that I could that I could hold and look at and see, like I worked on that for nine hours and this is what I have. And I didn't have that with PR. You know, you have when you're a publicist, you're just pitching journalists. And if a story comes out of it, that's great. But that story's not yours. You know, there's no real reward at the end of it. There's not the, you know, it's a five second one, you know, five second um, moment of glory or whatever. And nobody even sees it. So, <laughs> so yeah, there was just something about working with my hands that, and seeing like the result of all that work. Hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that resonates a lot. You mentioned that now you mostly consider yourself a macrame artist. Can you talk about your journey towards that and describe what your work is like now? Yeah, definitely. I'm. I mean, I 100% attribute the the journey there is because of Instagram. So when I started weaving, I I was like exclusively weaving for maybe six to eight months, and um, and through Instagram's fiber art community, I found macrame, and like it it occurred to me, I was like, oh yeah, mom used to do that, and I was seeing more and more um, pieces of macrame art come up on my feed, and I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. And then there was something that happened then when I made my first macrame piece. And it was like, wait, this is my thing. This is it. And, um, you know, I don't know. It's like, and at the time, you know, nobody was doing pieces in color because there was no real colored rope or fibers um, meant for it. And so the thing about weaving was that I I felt so, uh, I felt free with it because of all the colors. But then with macrame, it was like, I felt even more free with it because I had to be like, you can, I felt like I could be even more um, like kind of crazy because I was using all neutrals. If this, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It yeah. Does, because yeah. like with colors, more colors are hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Colors are actually hard. They're hard to put together in a really good way and in a beautiful way. And like, there's a whole thing on color theory that I have not been schooled in, but um, uh, yeah, like there's almost, there's almost more possibility to make something automatically beautiful with the neutral macrame rope. <laughs> mm. So I don't know. I, I almost found more possibilities than that. And mm. even more, in, in a way, more confidence because like even like up to my third macrame piece, I was like this, like I was really, really proud of what I was making even, even that early on. So yeah. That's great. I'd love you to share more about your journey to starting your business, Nairoma Studio. I imagine that a lot of my listeners that come from Instagram are already very familiar with you. And a lot of folks that listen to this podcast that are not on Instagram might never have heard of it. So can you share more about that? Yeah. So I, so let's see. Um, So I started weaving and that was pretty much just as a hobby. And then some of my close friends started asking me to make pieces for them. And then what I realized was that yarn was the the kind of yarn I wanted to use was really expensive. Like I would go to Pearl Soho and drop like 250 bucks in a, you know, in a, in a session. And, um, and so just to offset the yarn, um, cost, I was like, okay, I'll open an Etsy. And I didn't, I didn't think immediately that it was going to become a business. Although I did see it, I did think far out that it would be the way to save me because I wanted a way out of my PR job. And I was like, maybe, but, but, you know, like it was, it seemed far-fetched, but I was also really, it was all I thought about at the time. Like I would be at work only thinking about like weaving patterns or colors and all this stuff. So, um, I started the Etsy shop maybe like six months after I started weaving and, um, and then maybe eight months into it, I, I, started macrame and that took off like crazy. So, you know, at the time it was like 2015 and there weren't that many macrame artists out there selling on Etsy. And, um, I just ended up like, I, I had this constant flow of orders in my queue cause I was doing mostly made to order. And, um, I would just say like, it's going to take four to six weeks, you know? Um, and so I would just have, I would be constantly taking orders and getting them out, taking them, getting them out and working only like at night, 
uh, which I think a lot of us do, a lot of people do, um, when they also still have a day job. And, uh, you know, it just, it was one of those things that was, I, I want to say it was serendipitous or God, I don't know what it was, but <laughs> but it took off in a way that I was like, I think I can do this. I think I can make this my full-time gig. So I talked to my husband about it and he was like, well, don't do anything rash. Make sure you can replace your salary. And uh, within eight months of of opening my Etsy, I had replaced my salary. I mean, disclaimer, wow. I wasn't making all that much. <laughs> like I was working in the arts, uh, you know, it, it didn't pay that much, though. but it's still impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And, um, so yeah, so I gave my notice the following May and my last day was my birthday in June. Um, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, like I, it, cause it was, it felt like so momentous. I was like, I'm going to have my last day on my birthday. It's going to be a big thing. Um, yeah. So that was, I mean, that was like how I launched Naroma Studio. The name comes from, it's just a combination of my kids' names, uh, Nikolai and Roman. And, um, it's funny because I, I was sort of, I sort of regretted that name because I was like, oh, it's like, it's like a fake name and nobody can pronounce it. And I don't even know how I want to pronounce it. And, um, but then now, now that I look back, I'm actually really glad because it doesn't get lost in Google, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, I love following your Instagram feed um, for many reasons, and one of them is that you post a lot of truly creative and interesting things that your customers are using with your materials. Yeah. And I'm curious what some of your favorite ways that you see people using your materials are. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I just recently, I have to say, I saw this amazing lantern. I'm going to post it like either today or tomorrow, but um, this beautiful, like modernist lantern, and it's it's just like I, and it was just with the raw, like three millimeter, um, string and it's just so gorgeous. And I, I've never seen anything like, I think quite that modern, like it looks like it's, it belongs in MoMA. Um, so there's that. And then with the art yarn, uh, there's this, um, maker Christine May dolls and she's been using the art yarn for her doll's hair. Mm, cool. <laughs> um, and it's so adorable the way that she, that she makes the dolls. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then, um, actually Megan Alessio, who I just love, she actually came on my podcast, but, um, she's used some of the felted wool to make, um, you know, fiber jellyfish and, um, I don't know, you know, people have done such creative stuff. It's, it's really hard to sort of narrow it down, but yeah, it's, and it's like, you know, it's so inspiring to see all of the possibilities that you can really do with fiber. So um, I'm excited to see what else people are coming up with. Yeah. What kinds of things are you most excited to work on yourself if you want to share these days? Oh my gosh. You know, I don't even know if it's a reality anymore. I, I think that I have so, I have so many hopes and dreams for my mm. making life. Um, <laughs> I want to, the thing is that I love working big and that just means it takes a really long time to make them. Um, but I want to, I want to try to do more fiber sculpture. Um, and in, on the business end, I am working on a few new rope products that, um, that I'm excited to launch in the new year. Um, I'll be working on a really soft, I'm working on a really soft sort of braided rope. Um, so yeah, cause most braided ropes are very, very stiff and hard to work with. And I think one of the coolest things about my products are that they are quite soft um, as far as cotton goes. So yeah, I'm excited to launch that. 
Do you have people who are weaving with your rope? And if so, do you have suggestions for people about what kind of rope from your site they should choose and how they should incorporate it onto their looms? Yeah, um, there are a lot of people weaving with with rope. Um, a lot of people use the three-ply um, in their fringes to create these sort of like drapey fringes. Um I don't know. You know, I don't really have an advice on a particular fiber to use because I think that if anything, I would encourage people to think outside of the box. So whatever they're not seeing, try it. You know, if like you don't think that a certain kind of rope or string is going to work on a weaving, try some, <laughs> you know, because I think that feeling the freedom to experiment with fibers is what makes people's work really stand out. And I think that's those are the pieces that I find to be the most wow you know, like that really stopped me as I'm scrolling. I'll be like, oh, I've never seen something used like this. Or, um, and even like, like I feel like uh, a lot of weavers feel um, like they need to stick with yarn in a, little, in a lot of ways, you know, because rope is stiffer. It's harder to work into the warp. Um, but I, th- I, you know, I personally think that it's what adds the most texture. So, I would just say don't limit yourself in your belief on what kind of fibers can be used. I like that. I I end up talking to people a lot about stuff like that too, to try what you're most afraid of. Exactly. Exactly. And even like, you know, I think a lot of people are confused what to do with um, the felted wool rope because it's like this big and, but kind of stiff. It's not like super pliable the way um, roving is. Um, but you know, it's really unique in the way that it can fold and bend and the kind of textures it can give you. So I just, yeah, I mean, and not even my own products I'm talking about. I'm just like, in general, there are, you can basically weave with anything, you know, you can tear up old jeans and, and buy like, you know, $2 or donation sweaters or whatever, and cut those up and put them into your weavings. And like, I think all of it is awesome. It's super freaking awesome. So totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Well, one of the reasons I was really excited to chat with you today is because you recently launched a new podcast called the Fiber Artist Podcast. And Yay. I'm excited that we're podcast sisters. And I really think that anybody who likes hearing the stories of makers and textile artists on my podcast are also going to love yours. So I encourage people to check it out. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And I'd love to hear why you decided to start your podcast and what are the kind of stories you want to tell? Um, yeah, so I I started inter- um, doing interviews for the podcast this uh, past spring because um, I had this idea. I was going through something at the time, sort of personal, so I'm not going to talk about it. But what ended up happening is I was listening to a lot of podcasts, a lot of inspirational podcasts and a lot of um, sort of uh, self-improvement podcasts. And I was so struck and it realized and I realized what I loved most about the podcast I was listening to was were the ones where they had people just talking about their journeys and um and I felt like there was sort of a hole in our you know in our um in our industry with hearing about this but I also didn't I didn't do a lot of research to see what else was out there I was like I don't know of any so I'm just gonna start it because um, I wanted to hear about other people's journeys I wanted to know how people started and how they got to where they are and I I just think those are the most inspired like the most inspiring things um, especially to new makers um, and I feel like you know both you and I Sarah I feel like our jobs are a lot inspiring other people, you know, in, in the fibers we provide and the, the stories we tell. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted that to be sort like 
part it's like part of the core mission i think of neuromo studio like yes i sell rope and that's how i sort of make a living but i feel like in behind all of that underneath it all is this desire to inspire people so i just felt like that would be one of the ways to do it so yeah the fiber artist podcast was born <laughs> yeah i love it and you're interviewing artists from all over the world and yeah. can you talk about a few of the people you've interviewed and give people a flavor of what your podcast is like yeah definitely um so some of the ones that i've already launched actually we have some overlap <laughs> um you know uh, megan shimak and uh lindsey campbell from hello hydrange i think we overlap there but um uh, I've also talked to Judith Just, um, you know, from Juju Just. She does those really bright, bold neon kind of weavings. Um, that hasn't been launched yet, but uh, it's coming. Um, last week, I uh, put out an interview, a great interview with Crossing, the two ladies from Crossing Threads, sisters, um, Lauren and Cass Hernandez. Um, and I talked to, um, Ellen Bruxford, who's, uh, doing a lot of fiber jewelry, jewelry these days. And, um, like I mentioned, Megan Alessio, um, I have Alicia Scardetta coming up, um, and Bridie from Mary Maker Studio and, um, yeah. Oh, and actually yesterday, this is a really, so this is a little bit different. Yesterday I interviewed, um, someone who's a sort of a handmade, business coach. Yeah. So, uh, I'm really, I think I'm actually going to launch that one next week because it's so important for people to know, I think who are really trying to make legitimate and successful businesses out of their work. So, um, uh, yeah, the person I interviewed with her name is Danielle Spurge and she's, um, uh, founder of the Meriwether council and she does amazing work with people who are launching on Etsy. So, so yeah. Um, I'm excited to keep it going because I've had some, I've had great feedback. So I hope that it is truly doing what it was meant, what I was hoping it was meant to do was inspire people to, to sort of elevate their, their, their desire and their, and their dreams with all of it. Cause I just think everybody can be successful. So yeah. Yeah. I feel really lucky and I imagine you have feelings like this. Sometimes I just sit and I'm like, oh, there's probably at least one person in their studio right now listening to a podcast while they make something. And it's just so neat that the, you know, people so vulnerably will share their stories with me and then other people's will bring those into their lives. And it just makes the world feel cozier and smaller. And I like that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And it, yeah, I mean, it, it it feels so good like when people really do comment or feed, and give feedback and um, and DM me saying like this was amazing. I I was just listening to this and um, I'm so pumped up now and I feel like I can do it. And I think just some people just need this like you need that hope and and um, you know especially because as makers, I think it's really an isolating kind of life. And so when we're able to listen to other people's stories and really, I feel like a real kinship, you know, like with the people who I DM, like who I talk to on Instagram, I really do. And to have it kind of like we're all in a room together, I think is awesome. So Yeah. When I was starting my podcast, I've done a lot of things that I, you know, wasn't, didn't know how to do and wasn't prepared for. And I always will feel a little nervous about it, but I was like a lot more nervous about this podcast than other things that I've decided to launch. Yeah. No, same here. I'm curious if that resonates with you and how Um, you decided to take the leap anyway. Yeah, girl. hundred (laughs) percent. I mean, maybe what, so, so I did all these interviews in the spring and it, I didn't launch until October. So 
Um, part of that I attribute to life, you know, like my kids were home over the summer and my editor slash husband was busy and whatnot, but I also didn't push it. I didn't push him. And I had to really take, I had to step back and take a look at like, why was I not launching my podcast? I had them all done by mid-June. Like I had like 10 Mm. in the can by Mm -hmm. mid-June and, and nothing moved until October. So, um, I was, I realized I was terrified. I was like, it's so different to be in people's ears. It's such a different way to present yourself. And here's another thing. I was listening to Oprah's Super Soul podcast, like binging it. And I was like, I'm not Oprah. I'm not, I'm not as, I'm not as good as Oprah. Like, why the hell was I comparing myself to Oprah? Like, come on, please. Um, but you know, like those little messages get into your own head and it's super scary. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. now I'm really glad I did it. And I also, I don't want, I don't need to be Oprah. (laughs) No, we'll never be Oprah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons I asked you that question, even though it probably doesn't, I don't think a huge amount of my audience is also running their own podcast. I don't know how relevant it will be to them. But I think this idea of the ways that we overcome what we're most nervous about and and put out into the public anyway is something that I hear so much from Mm -hmm. my friends and my family and my customers and everyone are like, what is it that, that helps us take that leap? And yeah. Do you have any advice for people if they're thinking about something, whatever it is that they really want to push out into the world? Well, I think a lot of what held me back, in addition to just being scared, was this idea of perfection, right? So releasing something that is only only releasing something if it's perfect. And I think over time and age, I've just realized that nothing is perfect. So just do it. Like there is no, you know, everything is in beta, if you, if you want to think of it that way. Like my website is all – there's so many things I need to change on my website and it's just going to happen when it happens, you know. Same with the podcast. There's going to be mess-ups and it's fine. Like I have technical issues and we just don't have time to edit all of them out. So they're going to be in some of the episodes. And, um, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect product. So I think that would be my one big piece of advice is like let go of perfection. Good advice. Yeah. Good advice. And, and and just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And veering back more towards textiles, I'm curious if you have suggestions for people that are into weaving and other sorts of fiber arts but are curious about macrame, where they can go to learn about it and see if it's for them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There are so many resources these days. So, I mean, I have a couple basic videos on my website, on aromastudio.com. Um, but there are, oh gosh, there's so many people offering amazing, like on, if you don't have time to find a class in your area where you can go in person, um, uh, for example, like Lindsay from Hello Hydrangea has a wonderful, um, online workshop. Uh, it's like these downloadable classes that you can just take at your own pace. Um, uh, Gabrielle Diamantes has one from Family Threads in Australia. Um, I think... You know, I mean, to be honest, I, oh, there's a website called Free Macrame Patterns. And that is where I learned because at the time, I don't think there were a whole lot of videos. Um, I think one thing to note is that, you know, I think maybe people look at these big, finished, intricate pieces and think, oh, that's so hard. I'm never going to be able to do that. But um, I will let you in on a secret. Like my big, giant, intricate pieces are three knots. So, you can learn three knots and do that. And so it is not out of reach is my point. Um, and you can learn one knot. You can learn a square knot 
and do so much. So I would just say go on to YouTube, Google Square Knot, and see where it takes you. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate you coming on and, and sharing and talking a bit. And I have two more questions to close yeah. out before we do. So the first is, where can people go to learn more about Nairoma Studio and about your podcast on the internet and on social media? Awesome. So um, you can go to my website, NiromaStudio.com. It's N-I-R-O-M-A Studio.com. And you can link, I have um, a tab that goes right to my podcast from there, or you can just go to iTunes, um, or Pod, Podbean and Google the Fiber Artist Podcast, um, and then also I'm, my Instagram is the most I think up you know active uh, social media place to reach me, um, and that is at Naroma Studio. Um, yeah. Oh, and also for you macrame people out there, we all, I also um, co-founded Macrame Movement, which is a group on Facebook, um, co-founded with Bridey from Mary Maker Studio, and that is a place where you can sort of you know, go and ask questions and get advice on completing a piece and, and things like that. So we have a, I think our membership, membership, I don't know, it's not, it's not paid or anything, but um, <laughs> it's uh, like almost 5,000 people now. So wow. Yeah. It's a big pool. That's great. I will link to all of those in the show notes. And Thank you. I'm wondering if we could close out, if you have any advice for weavers out there. Oh gosh. Um, you know, I, I think it goes back to materials, like just play. I feel like don't put pressure on yourself to, to create um, even something that you had preconceived in your head. I think part of, for me, like I, you know, I never pre, pre-plan my pieces. Um, and I think that is one of the most fun parts of, of weaving and macrame is being able to sort of develop it as you go. So you can be of, I guess you could be of two minds. Like you can be the kind of person that really free plans and has like a drawing, a drawing that you're using to, to weave with. But also I think allowing yourself the freedom to experiment is 100% key to growing. So I guess that would be my, my best piece of advice. That's wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much. It was lovely to talk thank to you. Thank you, today, Sarah. Sarah. It was so great. Thank you. Thanks to Tian Chu of Warp and Weave for sponsoring the podcast. Want to cure your color frustrations? Go to Warp and Weave and register for Tian Chu's free mini course about color and weaving. Learn about color from an expert weaver from the comfort of your own home. Find out more about her in-depth courses in color and weaving and learn how to design beautiful handwoven projects using color and weave structure. Turn your color frustrations into delight at www.warpandweave.com podcast. That's a wrap. To see photos and links to Cindy's work and the podcast, you can visit the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 47. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com slash episode 47. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Ariana Funk. Ariana is a hand weaver in Stockholm and the founder of the Weave of the Month Club, a subscription service to liven up the world of weaving drafts. I'm sure you'll enjoy this conversation next Monday, and until next time, happy weaving! Mm-hmm.